What's up, guys? It's time to go Behind the Bum. What's up, guys? I hope you all had a great weekend. I got an interesting DM from this guy named Bernard, and he said he wanted to push me to have an open and honest conversation about racism. And so I feel like this is something I've never really fully discussed or talked about. And I think it's something that a lot of people are scared to talk about because it can be misconstrued like so many different ways and something can get taken out of context. But Bernard, why don't I have you explain what your job title is? Because I'm very okay. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Um, hmm. Okay, so I kind of have two roles. So I am a full-time PhD candidate. So what that means, I've entered like the last phase of being um, in a doctoral program. So that takes up a lot of my life, um, but also too, I work full time um, in higher education. Um, I provide support services for students. So I work specifically with students who are low income and provide like programming and support for, for them, so. So it sounds like you're very, very busy. Yes, that's that's my life. I'm, I'm wrapping up this summer, so I'm, I'm looking forward to life after the PhD. So, yes. Um, did you get to enjoy your weekend at least? I did. So I'm in New Orleans right now, and it's been, I haven't been, typically I come often, but I haven't been since the pandemic, of course. And so it's it's been a good time. Um, I can't talk about last night, but everything <laughs> is, 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 is fair game. So we were on Bourbon Street and I've been on Bourbon Street before, but next thing I know, like we're walking, a good friend of mine lives here. We've been friends since the fourth grade and boobs just start flying out. We love to see boobs. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I haven't seen them in a while. Um, to, to Yes, it was good. And so, but we were talking and then like we were right after the group that was like showing their boobs. And so we look up at them and they're like, what are y'all going to show? And I'm like, I'm not just ripping out my boob. And, but my best friend, he's kind of built. Um, and so I'm like, you showed them your boob. And he was like, no, but right now I have like a third nipple. And so okay. there was no boob popping out for me. So unfortunately. You could have showed your bot. I'm sure yeah. they would have loved that too. That is true. I would have had to take off my belt though. So it was, oh too much it was a lot of people like I'm, I'm glad to see people are out bernard this sounds like a lot of excuses already <laughs> well here we are here we are so that's funny well it sounds like you had a great time it was it was um yeah it's been a while for me so i, I haven't really been anywhere since last may so there you go so. I wish I could say the same, but I've, no, you've been all over. <laughs> I've done. I mean, this weekend I was like behaved, but you know, sometimes I'm not. <laughs> mm, that's okay. Listen, I, I think I always say like a little bit of ratchetness is always needed, no matter where you are in life, old, young, professional, not professional. But listen, I host like brunch parties. You know what I mean? So like it, requires you to be like ratchet jeff you know what i mean like i can't show up and just sit in the corner and act yes. like nothing's happening like people are coming for a show mm -hmm. and like you want to know it's weird so there's these two bartenders who like i find both of them fairly attractive in a weird way but like they always have masks on so i honestly have no idea what their full faces exactly look like okay and i'm like do i make a move or is that like weird? Cause like, I was like, you know, like I'm drunk. I don't know if this was like drunk, horny Jeff leading the way. Mm. But I was like, okay. Like, so I, I just politely said, I'm going to go to the bathroom quick. Do you want to come? <laughs> That's what okay. I said to the one guy thinking like, okay, maybe if he's interested, he'll like take a hit and go to the bathroom. And he was like, no, we're really busy right now. And I already peed, but I was like, okay, so it possibly went way over his head <laughs> or okay. maybe he has zero interest, but okay. you know, until next week, you know? Yeah. So two things, one, at least you can blame it on the alcohol. Of course, always. But is it a place that you go a lot? Every Saturday now. Okay. Well, be careful, tread lightly you know, because, and I think the biggest thing is like, what is their dynamic? Like, are they friends? Do they get along? You know, because you can get them. Definitely friends. Oh, 
Mm, and I think one has a boyfriend. So like, I'm fine. Just like, I don't need both. It's just like, maybe for the story, like a little like mm-hmm. secret thing. I don't know. That yeah. just happened, you know, on Saturday. So I was like, okay, well, we'll see what happens next Saturday. Can you post it on that? <laughs> so before we're very off topic. Okay. So <laughs> let's like dive into what we're supposed to be talking okay. about. Okay. Here we are. Okay. Here we are. So why don't we both start off by defining what we think racism is? I think that's a good place to mm-hmm. start. So we both have the same understanding on how we define racism. Yeah. So to me, in short terms, I would say racism is somebody being discriminated against due to their race. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I would agree. I think it involves like difference. And in some ways, I think you have to talk about like a power dynamic as well. You know, okay. um, for me, I think, especially like, you know, here in the United States and across the globe, it's different. But here in the United States, I think we do have like a long history of, of racism. And people have been um, discriminated against because of their difference. And um, yeah, I think along with that comes history. Like in the United States, of course, when we talk about Blacks, African-Americans, there's a long standing history with Black people being discriminated against. And I think fast forward to, you know, more modern times, you can add Latinx people and Asian people to that um, system of power being uh, discriminatory to them. So let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference between race and racism? Mm. Yeah, so like I was saying, I think race is this... Racism is this larger thing. So it's rooted in bias. Um, some people might say it's like an implicit bias. Um, but also, I do think there are like levels to it, you know? So you, not you, but someone, you know, saying like the N word is different than hanging a noose or. Um, There's levels of racism. Yeah, I think there are levels to racism. And, you know, it, it, as you move up, I feel like it becomes more harmful. Um, but yeah, well, I, and it, but I think, you know, in comparison to race, you're just talking about difference, um, culture. Um, and in some ways, it's a construct, I think, of like a bi- biological makeup, you know? So I'm pretty what sure- What do you think about the people who say things like, oh, I'm not racist, I have a Black friend. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm not racist, like, I've had sex with many Black guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, people, I've heard people say things like that because I think it's them trying to justify it in their own brain, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think that, number one, if someone says that, I think there's, like, a a level of unawareness, obviously, because there are still ways that you can be harmful. And have sex with a black guy, you know, especially if the sex is not good. Like that's home. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's still so many ways to be harmful, regardless of if you feel like you have a positive interaction or interactions with someone of a minoritized race. So I don't think it matters if you have a Latinx boyfriend or a black boyfriend or had sex with them. You can still be biased and harmful in so many ways, whether it's like, you know, on your job or, you know, just in your daily interactions on on social media, those still are like avenues for you to be harmful. So, but what about you? Do you think that, um, can white people be victims of race? Do you think? I knew you were going to challenge me with some questions. Here we go. (laughs) So based on the terms that you were saying in terms of like power aspect, it makes me want to say, no mm-hmm. however prior to us talking in the past 10 minutes mm-hmm. i would have probably said yes because okay. i think at the end of the day white is a race black is a race asian is a race like i mean white there's italian is a race but technically you're white presenting greek people are a race mm-hmm. like israeli people are a race but they are white presenting you know what i mean so 
technically speaking, I mean, people could be racist towards Israeli people. Maybe that's due to religion, if they're Jewish. Like, I mean, I think there's so many levels. Um, so I guess I feel like I would have to, I don't know. I guess I would have to say yes on some extent. Yeah. Can we just take a side note? And I'm just like, you're so brilliant. Like you've picked, like this is, yes, yes. I've, I've yes. I think that is so true. You bring up a lot of good points. Um, what's interesting to me is, you know, some people identify with their ethnicity over their race. So I've had this mindset just from like my education that, you know, ethnicity is like culture, um, nationality, and race is like a biological construct. And so there are some people like, we don't have a lot of Italians in the South. <laughs> I think that's, you know. Well, I live in New York, so everyone here is like Greek, Italian, yeah. so loud mouth, like. Yeah, and it's, that's interesting because with that, I will look as someone who more than likely is Italian, they're white, but their ethnicity is Italian. So, you know, even like a good friend of mine, he is from Nigeria. And so his he's black, but, you know, here in America, somebody would just say, oh, he's African-American, but no, he's not. He is African, you know, so we have race but our eth um, ethnicity is different and it's just interesting to see how people identify too so well and i think there's a lot of different like ethnicities let's refer to it as that kind mm -hmm. of have different stigmas against other ethnicities like for mm -hmm. example my grandparents like one of my grandpas is italian and my grandmother mm -hmm. is polish so when they were getting together there was a huge thing between Polish people don't like Italian people and vice versa. And like certain people didn't attend their wedding and it was like a whole situation, but it's like, why don't they like each other? Like why do certain ethnicities have something against other ethnicities? So it's like, mm -hmm. I feel like I can't guess kind of like going with this conversation. I think, well, let me ask you this. Do you think racism is taught? Like, do you think, for example, like from my experience with my grandparents seeing that like these different cultures don't get along, do you think we pick up on these things thinking that this is acceptable and that's why it keeps yeah. getting carried on? Yeah, definitely, for sure. And I think it's, when we, if bringing that up, Jeff, you have to talk about like socialization and who socializes us. And I think it's our caregivers, like our parents, people who are close to us that they raise us. And part of that, you know, we pick up things from them and, the good, the not so good, the bias, and we carry that with us until we have interactions that challenge us to think otherwise or to combat those biases. So yes, and I think the media has a big part of it too. You know, I don't remember in the '90s there being commercials with a like Hallmark. Harm, uh, I can't even talk. Hallmark, uh, you know, commercials with gay men you know um, not. i think you know i think even this past year was like the first time they even had like a gay couple christmas special uh, yeah. like i think there's certain things that are just so far yeah behind the times that like i would say even up until three years ago i feel like most brands and companies and people weren't being like okay we can use like two white people but let's try to find someone of a different ethnicity whether it's an asian person a black person whatever it is you know what I mean? Right. Like you see all campaigns now are mm -hmm. being more conscious of including other people. And I think that also stems like different body types. Like I think absolutely prior to five years ago, nobody even thought about that, to be honest. Yeah. I feel like nobody, like you probably looked at ads forever and you were like, no one ever represents me, but that was probably what you viewed as the norm or something, you know? Yeah. And visibility is so, so important. So what about you? What do you think that racism is taught? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I would say there's definitely things that are stemmed down and like, I'm just going to say this. Like, I feel like everybody is lying. If you said you have never said something that might be on the cusp of racism, you know what I mean? Right. Even if it's just down to like saying the N word in a song, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like even up until two years ago, like 
everybody still said it freely like everyone was like oh it's fine as long as you're singing it and it's like mm-hmm. is it fine though like i feel like yeah. over time we're learning what's actually acceptable and it's you need to listen and like i'm listening to you and learning like okay like is this acceptable like are people supposed to be doing that you know what i mean because different things trigger different people and so I think a lot of people don't have these conversations or they just brush it off because I think only over the past year, people are actually vocalizing like what should be allowed and what should not be allowed. Absolutely. Um, And some of this is generational too, Jeff, I think. Um, There was a conversation with Jay-Z and, you know, he was saying to, I think it was in a group conversation, they were talking about like the civil rights movement. And he was saying that, you know, our generation has normalized uh, using the N-word, like just with anyone. And there was an older person in the conversation. He was, I think, had to be like 70s. And he was like in his 70s. And he said, well, my generation, we're still trying to heal from people using the N-word. And, you know, I, I never, my grandmother was never one to be emotional. Um, but when she she only went uh, to school up until the third grade. And every time she would talk about having to pick cotton like in the mornings and the white kids would come on the bus past them and they would spit out the window and shout the N word. And my grandmother just passed away um, three years ago. And so you have to consider that, you know, yes, I might view this differently, but there are people who still were part of the civil rights movement um, who had a different experience, you know? And so I think we have to honor that and come out of our own perspective and see life from the perspective, perspectives of other people. So let me ask you, cause I'm not mm-hmm. knowledgeable on the like word itself, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Like why, what, why would it be okay for like you to use the term with someone else who's African-American or black or whoever it might be, but then you guys use it in songs or whatever it might be. But then if it's used in context, like I can only understand, like from my perspective, let's say the F word, for example, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't really go up to my friends and say, yo, what's up faggot. You know what I mean? Like, it's not something that's normalized. I think everything is context. And I think if somebody was just like oh he's definitely a fag i'd probably be like okay like we're just publicly talking about like whatever even though that's not completely normal mm-hmm. but if somebody like looked at me and was like jeff you're a fucking faggot like you know what i mean they were like using it to bash me <laughs> that's a totally different context absolutely so i guess like why do black people maybe use the word more if it is viewed as so negative right so my perspective on that, of course, you know, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I think the word, the N word has been used in like a communal way. So to like, um, in a bonding way to say that I see you, um, we're connected. And then of course, yeah, I mean, prominent people on like, you know, I think definitely, especially like, with the hip hop movement in the eighties and nineties, I feel like contributed to it being okay for us to use that, you know, um, coming out of like the civil rights movement um, to when, you know, probably, I don't think that was widely just like, except for even for like black people to use towards each other, you know, um, but it's like these other things that go on in society that have contributed to it being okay for us to, to use it. Now, I, I'll be honest, I don't know where I stand with it. To me, I think it's different scenarios, kind of like what you were saying. If someone were to say that to me, um, and I, I've had that like a very close friend to who thought it was okay. And were they white? They were. Okay. And I don't want to give too much information because it'll be easy to figure out, but we have a long history. And I was just I flipped out and I was trying to think like after and he called me like five times because it was over the phone. Um, you know, I try to keep my hair like looking nice and that, that was his response. Like in like 
how often do you go get your haircut? And I was like, it was just like silence. Like I was shocked because I don't recall that ever happening between us for us to have to be friends for like a long, like over 10 years. And like so, you've never spoke like that to you before. No, no. And so it just threw me off. And so I was questioning myself, like, what have I done to ever make him feel like that's okay? Like, you know, if he were to say it in a song or something, I'll be like, uh. but like you were saying, I think completely different no matter if you're joking or not to direct it at me I was like I was stunned so we didn't yeah. for a while and he called me he was so upset that he made me upset but I was just shocked yeah well and that's the other thing is I mean equating this to being gay I guess but I feel like when I was straight I used to hear how straight men talked about gay people like mm. they like you know what I mean like you hear like let's call it locker room talk right yeah and then the minute you say I'm gay, you don't necessarily hear it anymore, but that doesn't mean behind your back, they're still not saying it. So it's almost, sounds like, it's almost sounds like your friend probably uses the term maybe, but around a certain group of friends, maybe it's family related, like who knows? And it just was like a slip up, if you will, towards you and you were not having it. <laughs> yes, yes. And yeah, I think it's when we talk about like interactions that we have with people who are close to us, it, it changes the whole conversation. You know what I mean? If it was just Joe Blow, then it, my response would have been completely different. But I was shocked. I was hurt. I was was a lot of process. So, yeah. So let me ask you this. I mean, I, I that's a shitty situation, obviously. But have you ever actually been like impacted by racism? Hmm. So just thinking off the top of my head, um, the common things about being followed around when I'm in a, like a store, a department store or somewhere, that happens a lot. I will say like, you know, especially when we have conversations of, of like race and racism, um, other identities play a part of it. And so with me being middle-class and like from my hometown, like everyone, knew me in, in some ways. And so I think from if I'm in my little bubble, then the likelihood of me experiencing that would have been different, especially because my mom is in law enforcement, my uncle's in law enforcement, my aunt is in law enforcement. So yes, but outside of that, and of course we can't live life in a bubble. Um, I did have experiences when I went off to school um, and that makes you become more aware. Like when you step out of, outside of your bubble, that like the stuff that you see on TV that are ha that's happening to other people um, of your race can that can definitely happen to you. You know, depending on where you are. You know, so. So, do you think though? I uh, I hope I don't like mess up how I want to explain this. Do you think that like to an extent everybody views themselves as a minority though? Like, let's just talk about not race in general, but like we can say some people might feel like they're a minority because of their race. Some people might feel like they're a minority because of their religion. Some people might feel like they're a minority because of their sexuality. Like, right. I feel like there's so many different avenues that people feel there is an injustice going on in the world mm -hmm. due to something about them that is not, let's say, common amongst the rest of the public. Right. I think it just depends on how the pendulum falls. Like, you know, some people call it like the axis of power. In some ways, we all have a minoritized identity, but I think it's which minoritized identity are you are you talking about? You know, it's this crazy, I kid you not. Because I'm black, because I'm queer, um, I never realized that I still have male privilege. You know, it took me a long time to realize that um, I think because those, when we talk about race and sexual orientation, there's so much harm that comes along with that, just like growing up in different things that I didn't realize like the areas that I could be harmful. Um, and it was a conversation um, at work and with some of the vice presidents and 
they felt very comfortable talking to me about um, a female candidate who was interviewing to be vice president. I was looking at them like, I'm like entry level. Why are they having this conversation around me? And it wasn't until like two years after when I was just talking to someone about it, I was like, oh, because we were all men. So it was okay for us to have that conversation regardless of, hey, I'm the lowest man on the totem pole, like pay, like they're making six figures. Got it. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I, it just changes. And so in a lot of ways, yeah, I think everyone probably has some type of minoritized identity, but it just depends on which one that we're talking about, which one is um, being discriminated um, against. Yeah. Well, and I think going back to your statement on power is I think as let's say the biggest issue is when it comes to like our lives. Right. So I mm -hmm. think when you start seeing that, like, okay, this is affecting like whether I live or die based on what you see in the news or things like that, that's mm. a scary problem and something to deal with. You know what I mean? That it's like, it's one thing to like, I mean, for example, that one Asian woman who got like beat up in the street and they still haven't caught the guy and right. she got beat up because she's Asian. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think when it, like you're being a hate crime or you are the subject to whatever it might be injustice, it's, that's a huge, huge problem. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I think these things have always been happening they've always been happening, but people are just becoming more aware of it, you know, now. So, so I want to get your perspective. Talk to me about like your experience with um, people using the N-word, um, whether it's like music, with your friends, like personally. Um, and do you like, did that make you feel a certain way? Um, and like, how did you address it? Or if, did you address it? I guess, I mean, I don't want to sound like that person, but one of my very good friends is Black, and she comes to, like, all my family parties. She celebrates Christmas with us. Her family comes over for Christmas, and I think living upstate New York, like, it's kind of how I was brought up is there was different ethnicities based on different neighborhoods. So it was like this certain area was filled with Irish people in my neighborhood, or I should say my parents' neighborhood where they grew up was predominantly like Greek, Italian and black people. And mm -hmm. so I think a lot of my parents, friends and like what I grew up raised it, raised as was that group of people. That was probably who I was surrounded by. So I guess I never really looked at somebody being like, oh, like why are they a different color than me? Because it was something I was so accustomed to. But in terms of saying the N word, I think the N word in high school, college, it was kind of a norm. Like you weren't putting the ER on the word, but with a couple A's at the end and either text messages, um, talking out loud, like addressing people in the hallway and between class, like it was very normalized. And I don't know why it was normalized. And I think like I would even be addressed as that from other people. So it, it's interesting to see how once somebody finally speaks up and says like, okay, like, why are we doing this? Like, this is not okay. Um, but that, to be honest with you, that was what my high school experience and even college was like. And I don't know if that's upstate New York. I don't know if that's, I mean, do you think that's normalized down South too? Or is that just my experience in New York? Absolutely. I think that's like normalized just across the board. And too, I think, the fact that, you know, kind of like what we were saying earlier, that I think people are coming more aware. And that's the thing. Hey, that means something's happening to cause us to self-reflect about how we interact with other people, which is great. I think the only thing about that is what is being sacrificed? Who is, in some ways, who is being sacrificed, you know, depending on what we're talking about, in order for us to become more socially aware, you know? Um, you know, I don't want to have to be, you know, I, I even think about Sandy Hook, you know, people um, have these thoughts about gun violence and, you know, gun reform and all this stuff. And 
it hit differently when my my nephews they're uh, six now, and so now that you know they're alive, I couldn't imagine like I posted something a while back of like like just imagining a shooter coming into a room with little kids and just what played out in that room like with them screaming like how can you not be impacted like do you have to have a child yourself to be moved by that and um you know part of the way i think we i think we socialize men and women differently i think we socialize women to feel i don't think we socialize men to feel in a lot of ways you know and well, I think we've all grown up suppressing yes. that that's what you're taught to do you're taught to yes. cry you're taught to not yeah so, and i think that's still very normalized i mean there's obviously certain cities, certain areas that, you know, make you feel more accustomed and free to be yourself, have emotion. But I'm sure in a lot of places in America and especially around the world, mm -hmm. men are not meant to have emotion or like, I feel like they're like trained to be these like, oh, that sucks. You know? Yeah. I mean? yeah. And, but that's a part of being human. And some people say to be a whole person, you have to have emotion. Um, body and spirit and so the body would be like the physical i think we socialize men to be in touch with our bodies like it's okay for men to go out and have sex with whoever but that's not extended to to women you know definitely not they definitely hide their body counts where men are like yeah i'm like over like 100 people like absolutely and it's like, cool but then like if like the dad found out his daughter was over 100 people she'd have yes the word she'd be under the house yes yeah. Yes, yes. So that's where we do ourselves a, di a disservice by so socializing people to be dehumanized in a way because you have to be in touch with your, your body. Like everyone should be, you know? Um, I think it's great to be um, sex positive, you know, um, but the world is not that way. <laughs> Can I ask you, have you ever felt like, um, I don't want to use the term prejudice, but have you ever felt like somebody was just using you sexually because of your race? Mm. Of course, I'm sure. I've had interactions with, you know, if you're talking about like power, of course, um, white men. Um, but I've always stayed away, like something even before I became before I was where I'm at now with being like aware, I would, something just never sat right with me on profiles when if a white guy would say like, looking for a big black cock, like that just never sat well with me. Um, but definitely I'm, I'm, I'm sure, um, cause there, I think there is a, a stigmatism about the size of black men's penis and yeah. That is not the case for every black man. <laughs> so, you know, um, I don't think anybody would be disappointed with me, but still like, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I do think, I do think a lot of people, like, especially when you're gay, they become size queens, certain bottoms. Mm -hmm. They want to keep like, you know what I mean? And I think it obviously is theoretically known that black men have the biggest dicks is what people yeah. would usually say yeah. and i feel like there's probably people on dating apps or whoever it might be being like okay like i know i'm not going to take the situation seriously but they might quote unquote use you because they think you have a large mm -hmm. yeah yeah i'm yes absolutely and you know and i think in that moment <laughs> my mindset is somewhere else so I might not really care yeah it is something it's something to think about but I think when it comes down to power I mean and this can go for relationships or any type of thing it's all mm -hmm. the mental headspace you go into it with so Absolutely. like for example if somebody if I feel like someone's using me I need to mentally go into it as like I'm using them and I know that's probably so unhealthy but it's like equivalent to like somebody's having sex with you and they're like telling you all these wonderful things and it's like mm -hmm. okay bitch, like it's like we know what this is like stop trying to like make this some romantic situation like i know you're right. not gonna text me back i know you're right. just like so i yeah. think it kind of 
I can get it on, on that as, aspect. Yeah, it's almost like a fantasy, you know, regardless. Like, it's, yeah, it's going on in their mind. And I think the only thing about that is, I think fantasies are part of our sexual interactions, you know? Um, but if you have a bias, and, you know, there are probably some people who, well, some men who, when they're having sex, even if it's not <laughs> as big, you know, that yeah. still, like, getting off because that's what they they have going on in their mind. That's what they think, so. Well, you want to know what's interesting is I think, and I even guilty of this, is back in the day when I first came out, I, like, made a list in my phone of, like, all the things I want to do. And they stem from the basic things of, like, I want to try poppers. I mm-hmm. want to have an orgy. I want to mm-hmm. have sex in all these different countries. Obviously, one of them is like, I want to try to have sex with a black guy because it was going to be a different experience for me. Like, I've only had sex mm-hmm. with one white guy. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that's bad for somebody to want to experience something different that? I don't. Only because I think there is a difference, you know? Um, the The chemistry would be different, especially if you never have, you know? Um, The skin is different, I feel like. Well, I think just sexual exploration, when like you first come out and you start watching porn videos and different things and you're just like, you wanna just try it all just to say like, you know, I've tried everything. Like, what do I actually like now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, like, I don't want to be, let's say 30. And then I'm like, okay, like, I've never tried this. Like, what if this is like the direction I want to go in because this is sure. for me, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, have you ever thought that, oh, I've never hooked up with like a white guy. I want to hook up with a white guy. Like, did you ever feel that way back in the day? Mm, absolutely. Well, and I don't know. It was after my third relationship. And at that point, I'm like, this shit is not just working, not knowing that this is just, you know, part of gay culture. It And that was probably when I was around 24. I don't know what took so long. Um, you know, I was like, let me try to like have some type of interaction with someone who's not black. Up until that, it's just black men. And it never just occurred to me to like try to have something with someone who was um, white for some reason. I don't know. And uh, I have a lot of close friends who are white. You know, I've gone to predominantly white, like, colleges. And so, um, but it just never occurred to me, like, to, oh, try to have some type of interaction with uh, a white man. But um, I did. Now, it's, to me, I'm just, it's like, whatever, you know? So being on this side of it but yeah yeah do you think it's i obviously i know it's fucked up when people put preferences in their profile but when you see something on dating apps it's like no blacks no femmes no asians Mm -hmm. things like that do you ever just think in your head like oh i should message this person and say like you look like an asshole for having this in your profile Mm. like do you ever see something not necessarily like towards you but you see let's say like it's like equivalent to like you walk down the street and you see somebody getting robbed do you stop right. and say something although it's not affecting you necessarily but you know it's wrong yeah so like when you see things like that do you address it i used to like early 20s like when i was like 19 now i don't i think if i'm honest jeff i think that's it's less prevalence because people are afraid of the clapback. So that's just like something that I don't think is vocalized. So it might be that you said it on your preference that you don't view black guys, but I just think now it's not socially acceptable for people to vocalize that, you know? Yeah. So, but I do see some things and it's not necessarily directed towards race, but I saw something that was like kind of interesting that, um, we were talking about like trans people, for example, mm-hmm. and people. there was a certain group of people that was saying, gay men, who were saying, I don't need to be, I, I should not have to be forced to be attracted to like trans people. Like, like you can't force attraction 
onto people. Like men, some men are just attracted to a certain type of, let's say, man, where some women are attracted to a certain type of women. And I think to an extent, like, do you think everybody is entitled to their own sexual preferences as long as it's not in a harmful way towards someone else? Yeah. So I would want to go deeper with that and try to reveal, well, what, what do you define as beauty? You know, because, you know, some people might look at, um, I forget his last name, um, but he plays on Pose. Uh, last name Swain, kind of fair skin. Like, you know, someone, if a white guy were to say, well, I don't, I don't find black men to be attractive. But if he says, well, no, I don't find them attractive, but I think this guy or like Will Smith or um, I'm trying to think of somebody else who's like a light-skinned black guy. If that is the case, then I would say that, yeah, you have a bias about like the darkness of someone's skin. So, you know, there's some black men who are almost light, lighter than white men, you know? Mm -hmm. um, in that case, I would just want to know what, how do you define beauty? You know, is it um, facial features? What is it that you define as beautiful based off of when you say, oh, this is my dating preference? You know, is it their hair, um, eyes, different things like that, like the size of the lips? Like, how does that impact that individual's uh, dating preference? You know? I think for, I mean, we're both gay, so I think we can only really speak on behalf of like gay men, let's say, but I think a lot of people who are gay base it off of body type, where I think a lot of people look at it as, okay, I'm a jock, I want to date a jock. I'm a bear, I want to date a bear. I'm a daddy, I want to date a daddy, where you see a lot of people kind of fall into those categories that they are attracted. I mean, of course, there's like specific twinks who are, have a type towards daddies. But I think a lot of people base their preferences off of this type. You know what I'm saying? Not necessarily race as much, more so body type, I guess. Yeah. I think I would agree to that. Definitely. And for me, I think, hmm, I think where we do ourselves a, a disservice, well, I think it just depends on what is that, is, are we just talking about sex or, you know, I would want to extend that to say like, are these the only type of people that you just associate with in general? You know what I mean? Because I think that's, that's different. All of that, like, is different. So yeah. some people might be okay with, you know, having someone who's a black friend, but not want to be intimate with someone who's like black or Asian. And so I think, yeah, I think it just, it varies, you know, our level of comfort and it's different based off of, you know, if we're talking about what type of interaction, are we just dating? Are we talking about friends? Yeah. So. No, I think in a lot, I think a lot of people end up like, at least from what I've noticed, is a lot of people end up gravitating naturally towards people who they can relate to. Where I see a lot of my friends in the city, when I just look at my friend group, for example, it's predominantly gay men. That's who I obviously gravitated to. Like yeah. on a Sunday, I'm not going to the bar to watch like the Giants Jets game to like mm -hmm. be with the bros. Like that's not my circle of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think you, people naturally just I think it's probably in some type of study somewhere that people yeah. naturally gravitate towards people who they're going to relate to most absolutely and they call that the cycle of socialization like we socialize with people you are right with who are who have more in common than us and so it's based off of what some people call the big seven so gender race sexual orientation social class um, religion ability and i forgot one but 
I think That's interesting though. I'm gonna look that yeah, up. Here. Yes, I when I do a facilitation on diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, I have people write the big seven for them on a note card, and then I have them turn it over and they do it for uh, two people who were like caregivers and then like their best friend. And it's always funny to watch the reactions in the room, like people like, oh, I don't really socialize with people who are like completely different. Um, or my caregiver, caregivers like have similar identities like I do, and I don't socialize with people outside of that. And I think, you know, even so like with my best friend, white, but he's also gay. So we still have that commonality. Yeah. Uh, we, we both identify as Christian, um, both middle class, even though he's like, I would say like upper middle class. Still, I mean, even though he's, he's white, there's so many other areas. Like we're both able-bodied, college educated, you know? So there's so many, our, our social identities, cycle social identities are so um, nuanced. Like when we go deep with them. So. But I also say this that I've noticed about myself is there's certain conversations I choose to have with certain friends. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when like I first came out, one of my high school friends was like, "Why wouldn't you talk to me? Why wouldn't you tell me? Why don't you like invite me down, hang out?" Like, and it's because there's certain things that certain people just don't understand that you can't talk to about certain things. And I know that's unfortunate. That I feel like we should be able to have like open conversations with everybody but to an extent it's like you can only talk about certain things with people who you can relate to like I'm not if I have a problem that relates to a guy or a gay boy problem like I'm not calling my straight best friend like yes I might say that's my best friend but I he can't relate to me like I I'm not gonna tell him certain things that essentially he doesn't understand because he doesn't mm -hmm. understand those life experiences. Right. So I don't know. It's just like an interesting thought. So do you, and do you do that because of the emotional labor that might come along with having to explain to like to someone who wouldn't understand or. I guess I don't know. Like, I just feel like maybe in certain situations I'm looking for like advice aspect or somebody who mm -hmm. also like understands or has gone through something. So if someone's just going to sit there and say, Oh, Jeff, it's okay. Like, da, da, da. it's like, you don't get it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where if it's one thing to educate someone, but it's another thing that I think you, you can have such an open and honest conversation with people who you share similar life experiences with. And I don't know. I don't know if that's a problem or not, but I just think I find that it's like a common thing in my life personally. Mm -hmm. Listening is an art. And I think that's what like we need today is like, not just for people to like, I don't need you to, to hear me. I need like for you to listen, like try to gain understanding, like really think abstractly of what I'm talking about, like engage with me. You know, I, and I think that's critical when we have like these conversations like related to, you know, race, gender, sexual orientation, things like that. Well, I think it's important to like learn that everybody's different. Everyone has different life experiences. And I do love personally learning about how other people became to how they became. Mm -hmm. like, I find that so interesting talking to people, just seeing like why they are the way they are. Mm -hmm. And I think we all go through so many different things in life that a lot of people will never understand. But all you can do is like, listen, take it all in and then be more understanding as a person. Yeah. And I think everyone, you know, a big topic now is like centered around cancel culture, you know, and <clears throat> for me as an individual, as a, a researcher, I believe that every one is inherently born good and so for someone to do something that is harmful um just in general um but of course like for them to get canceled i approach it with empathy and think what interactions has this individual had to have them to show up as harmful 
And <clears throat> we have to extend grace to everyone because the pendulum could, the pendulum could change. And you know, yeah, we might be talking about race, but the person who is chastising someone who is racist could be homophobic as fuck. Yeah. You know? And so we have to be careful when we come for people because depending on the pendulum, depending on the topic, then we could become the one who is harmful. And I don't think everyone thinks about it like that. I don't think everyone wants to extend grace, but we're human. And if everyone was born good, then I think we all have been in some ways, I don't wanna say victims, but we've all been socialized. We've all had experiences that have caused us to develop biases. And I think we're all trying to learn, um, grow and develop in, in some ways. You know, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I hate to have to be forced to wrap this up. Yes. And like, I know this is going to be a loaded question to lay on you, but like, I guess, for example, like, let's just pin this on me, for instance, like what more as like a gay white man should I be doing to kind of like combat racism, let's say. Yeah. So definitely, I feel like number one, realizing that the work, the awareness never ends. So it's not, you never will arrive like at fully understanding because it's an experience that you don't have, you know, walking in a skin that is black, it's just, you won't have that experience. So just knowing that it will be a continual process. Um, you can educate yourself formally, informally. Um, that can come through, you know, something is in the community going on and they're talking about race attend um that's going to require some vulnerability because hey you know especially if you're around a whole bunch of black people people of color and you're the only white you know that might kind of make you feel a certain type of way but you know if someone if you have a career you have a job i'm pretty sure there's something um that your job offers that is around like inclusion just because of the, the, the you know where we live in today so yeah i think it's just educating yourself um reading books by like black authors who are talking um about certain issues or people in color generally who are just talking about issues of race um i think those are some of the, the biggest and then of course listen just listen listening is truly an art i love it well bernard thank you for coming on i really really appreciate it um this was fun it was definitely a learning experience to say the least thank you i I appreciate you more than you know, like this, this is great. And definitely, I think you're a brave individual. I love the work that you're doing. Um, you're a, a, a gem. So thank you. <laughs> well, tune in next week for another episode of Behind the Bomb, guys. Thank you.